Hi, I'm Sandy Gardner, and you're listening to Late Night Vacuum. I'm starting scan of asteroid field now. To the late night vacuum. Activating cutting beam. And we are live with yet another episode of Late Night Vacuum. To all the listeners out there, today we will not have that notable voice of Dublar Thackeray with us. Instead, we have the wonderful Captain Flint. Ahoy there. Yes, Captain Flint, you will remember him from a previous episode of Late Night Vacuum on with both Dublar Thackeray and myself. Dublar could not be here today, so Captain Flint has graciously said he would fill in for Dublar. And he himself is, in his own right, a wonderful entertainer and streamer, so I am very happy to have him here on the podcast and Twitchcast. Although uh, Dublar does have very big boots to fill, so. Well, you know, that's what happens when you have size 11 shoes. That's very true. <laughs> so, Captain Flint, uh, shall we harmonize real quick? As Certainly. As people have gotten to know. Harmonize in three, two, one. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. A uh, little bit of harmony to start off the day. Well, as we always start all our shows off with, Captain Flint, what have you been playing this week? Oh, this week has been uh, largely a Star Citizen week, obviously with the uh, new patch Haipu happening. Um, but also we have our usual uh, Witcher 3 playthrough. Um, we are making good strides in the Witcher 3, but it is such a massive game. Holy cow. <laughs> How many hours It goes in? on forever. How many hours? Um, so we measure in days when you play uh, the Witcher. Mm-hmm. In complete days, I'm over six, is about all I'm willing to say. So you're um, about a quarter over in. seven. Probably, probably about a quarter in, yeah. That's, that's what, 150 odd hours? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty insane, but it's still so much fun. Um, and honestly, Death March, only way to play. Anyone who plays less than Death March, you are a lesser person. <laughs> well yeah yeah I, I i play on death march myself when i played yeah but uh so unfortunately i haven't had much time to what to play anything else but being a twitch person i have um, been thoroughly enjoying watching people playing some games so I just want to mention a couple of those so one darkest dungeon which i'm hoping to play tomorrow mm, wonderful um, game very interesting game. I've seen wonderful people like Loco and and uh, and Brotato and stuff playing that, and that looks like a awesome game. Um, Punch Club, which is a, a wicked indie title that yes. recently came out, that seems like a very addictive little game with loads of pop culture reference. So that seems pretty sweet, and also a lot of Rainbow Six Siege with my friend, uh, um, my friend uh, General Mittens has been playing the hell out of that, and that's another one that I'd quite like to pick up at some point soon to play with some guys. So. There's lots of good games around right now. There, there's almost too many to possibly play with all of the ones out there. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Myself, I mean, I've taken a break from Star Citizen for the week. Uh, I, I hopped in for just a few minutes to be on the PTU, but um, 
mostly this week I've been playing XCOM. So I've been doing that enemy within because I've been getting ready for XCOM 2. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I actually did play a bit of that last Saturday. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that is an awesome game. I played the um, the original Enemy Unknown. Enemy Unknown, Enemy yes. Unknown. I think you're on Enemy Within, aren't you? I think yes. I saw you playing yes, some. I yeah. Where I accidentally oh, killed you. Uh, <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, five minutes. I turned up, said, I would love to be. And then you made me an American and then yes. killed me off. Yes. <laughs> But uh, how much, how different is um, Enemy Unknown to uh, Enemy Within to Unknown? Very. It, it there's a huge huge difference between Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within. Uh, I've played both, and Enemy Unknown is actually far more forgiving. Though the the aliens can actually be pretty accurate in that they don't have the additional units where you can on your side where. Enemy Unknown doesn't have the mechs and the genetic upgrades. However, Enemy Within expects you to have mechs and genetic upgrades to keep fighting. So if you can't get into that stuff quickly and in the harder modes, because uh, it's almost like a bomb mission every time where you have to get meld, which is the, the, the component. And when you go on abduction missions, it's a little terminal and you have so many turns to get to the terminal and click on it like you would with the bombs before yeah. it shuts down and you get no meld for the mission. And in the extremely hard missions, you can't really rush. And if you don't rush, you don't get meld. And if you don't get mm. meld, you end up way behind the eight ball and you don't get the money and you end up dead. Because the game basically expects you to have super soldiers and you don't. So you get killed very quickly. It's, it's painful. Two, though, looks amazing. And that, and I've been playing Battlefront, honestly. Just yeah, because it's it's fast paced action. There's stuff in it that's infuriating and makes me quit out after a little bit. Yeah, um, but it, mostly it's I like the space fighter stuff, but the A wings are broken. Like their hitboxes <laughs> is a quarter of what it should be. Oh wow! And if they're flying flat, you can actually be right behind them, dead on aim, with both of your targeting reticles lined up, and none of your hits register. Oh wow! That seems a bit OP. Sounds like an M50. It, <laughs> it's worse than an M50. It's like an M50 back when it was bugged. Wow. Yeah, back in the day. But yeah, speaking that... of those spaceships and everything else, mm. have you flown the new Vanguard? I have. I have. Not in the latest patch, though. Oh, or yeah, latest patches. Okay. Um, no, I've, I flew in the original 2.1. Um, but 2.1.1a, where they broke it, and b, when they apparently fixed it, um, I have not. And given that one just blew up my M50, um, they did fix it <laughs> in b. But no, I, I flew the original version that had the broken um, agility, mm -hmm. and it was it was fun to fly that as a ship. I wasn't too concerned about the flight model because it's not really the type of ship that I fly in combat situations. I fly big ships to do non-combat things and i jump in a agile little single sheet to do single seater to do my combat stuff so it doesn't really fit either of those two roles okay. but it, it's a fun little ship and it's a beautiful ship as well so there is of course talk coming up about more possible ships on the list mm. and you and i were discussing this a little bit in the pre-show um 
why don't you take it on those see I, seeing as there are some that you like to hop in for combat and everything else what's what on the the upcoming rumor list stands out to you oh so for that sort of shape obviously the cartoal because uh that is a um it's supposed to be super fast super agile um so i'm and it's so different and that's why it intrigues me because i am excited for the saber i will be lying i own the saber i can't wait to fly it and it's going to be um, on paper, it's going to be my perfect ship. But insofar as excited for something, I'm most excited for the car too well. Um, and the fact they put it on sale and there was allegedly some comments saying that um, it may be hangar ready very soon and flight ready soon after. I think that's super intriguing um, because it is it is so different to all the ships we've had thus far. Um, and that's cool. I totally agree with that statement that's that's what i'm looking forward to seeing out there and for those that don't know the cartuel uh that flint is talking about is the the Gion scout the Gion are one of the four alien races in the game out of the vandal the banu the krathak or five alien races tavarin and then the Gion. the Gion are sort of who were we as humans were in a sort of cold war with the Gion. um that's how the whole lore is described. And one of the first alien ships that they ever put into concept and, and told everyone about, and their statues of for some people in the hangars, is the Cartuel that was mentioned. And it's it's sort of like if you come made a flower petal open up and then hardened all the petals and turned them into like sharp thorns is sort of how it looks it's really it's hard to describe it but it, it it's a thing of beauty yeah it's, it's kind of mantis like in a way bit. yeah with with the big leafy type of limbs on it almost yeah it seems kind of mantis especially how it's kind of flat when it lands it goes up and it basically comes up and has the the things popping out and it's it's not obviously not like exactly mantis but it's mantis like yeah, to me, in the way that those limbs work, I can see that. I can kind of insectoid. It does. It has a very. It's almost like it has a combination of a couple of elements from nature. It has flora and fauna, and its design elements blended together. It almost looks like it could be organic. Yeah, yeah, and I think that they've gone even further with that, with the way that they're punching holes through the the carapace, as it were, to give it that that feel of being more organic. It's, it's, it's a very interesting ship, very interesting. And I can I foresee many bugs with the whole transformation landing stuff um, and frustration happening around that. Because, I mean, we, you see how much frustration we have with the automated landing gear dropping down. So yes. if the whole ship transforms every time you go near to a piece of debris, there may be some issues. So they may need to get the um, landing gear button sorted before they put it out. Otherwise, there might be some issues as it, it were it would be nice if we could just push a button for our landing gear instead of having it automated like that i would what? like the the option to be fair we have a landing mode it should just be linked to that you turn on landing mode and gear comes out and gear comes out and that that's that's enough for now because that's something we have that they can tweak and give us the functionality that we want um and then later on have a, another switch we can switch and then those people who have those touch screens or button boards can have a button they can press or whatnot. But um, for now, just stick it on the landing mode. 
And if you know every time you're going to land in mode, landing, you just hit landing mode button and your landing gear comes down, you're golden. Happy days. Words of wisdom once again to <laughs> the CIG crew here on Late Night Vacuum from Captain Flint. Uh, last time, I think we talked about the smuggling aspect. We did. We did. Someone stole that idea. Someone someone stole it. So um, there was a video of, I forget which one, I think it was the Austin Bar Citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was after we discussed it on this. And then I also discussed it on StarCast. And then I also did a post on the forum. Um, and they were doing Bar Citizen. There's a video on YouTube of the Bar Citizen. And they were doing questions with, with um, Chris Roberts. And the guy stands up and basically presents my entire idea to Chris Roberts, and Chris Roberts was like, oh, that's actually a great idea. <laughs> I was like, that's my freaking idea. Well, How dare you? <laughs> but at least it went credit. to the man. Yes. So if, and, it, if it goes in, I will take silent credit. <laughs> I, I'll take vocal credit for you. I'll call it the Flint system. <laughs> nice. But yeah, it was, it was kind of amusing. So we have Grocky's Anomalies and the Flint system, which is smuggling. We do. I'm I'm going to be doing a bit of flinting today, <laughs> which actually is, is perfectly fine because that fits perfectly into my modus operandi for my uh, one that wanna be Malcolm Reynolds of the Star Citizen Universe mission. Perfect. So we'll we'll rename it flinting. Flinting. Just so people don't know, it's like if you say you're going to smuggle something, they all know. If you say you're going to, ha- you know, go flinting, it's just like what are they going to, you know, spark something up? No. <laughs> It's code. <laughs> we'll get everyone talking about it. But you did mention a second ship on that list because there there were rumors around the Cartuel. But what was oh the Saber? One? Yes, yes. So yeah, so the the Saber is uh, well, we got it in the hangar, and that was the surprise to start off with. But given the speed they they're going through um, the Aegis ships, um, we got the Vanguard flight ready big surprise after only being hangar ready for not too long no i think it was all of a month maybe maybe a month yeah, and exactly, a half exactly yeah so um so we have the ship already in the hangar um they have a lot of the mechanics will be similar between the vanguard and the saber because they have the similar layouts have the similar pop out wings and stuff so i i foresee us seeing the saber flight ready pretty soon pretty soon that one would be a ship that, I, while I want to get my hands on the Cartuel because I like the agile little ships like that, mm. for me, I prefer the... I, I, I'm one of two flight types, depending on situation. I either like an extremely agile, extremely light ship mm. that'll just dance around everything, but one hit and I'm in trouble. Yeah. Or I like those beefy tank ships. I don't yeah. like the in-between stuff. And the Saber looks pretty beefy. Uh, so it it is. I mean, I I've heard various things. Um, I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but I've heard it's going to be heavily shield based. Mm-hmm. So the hull itself, because it's using like super light alloys and stuff, and it sacrifices things for its um, shielding, its um, radar shielding and stuff. The hull itself would be pretty weak. The shield would be very strong. So what that means is um, you'd be pretty prone to ballistics. Yep. Because that will punch through. And also, if that shield is damaged, so if you have prolonged fire, shields deplete pretty rapidly when they're on the prolonged fire, or you're against something like uh, something with suckers, for example, that can rip yeah. through that shield. So, what it strikes me as it's it's obviously lighter than the Super Hornet. 
It has a massive amount of firepower, but it's all about the tactical application of that firepower. Because if you get in the middle of the crap, you will get blown the hell up. But it will be agile and fast enough and sneaky enough that you can pick your fight, drop in, lay down your fire, accomplish your task, blow up the people, whatever, um, and then get the hell out before they have a chance to respond. It will be agile and quick enough to do that. It will not be a toe-to-doe fighter yep. at all. So it's it's more of a tactical, um, tactical like it's a rogue. exploitation of situations as opposed to your M50, which is just I'll dance around you until you're pissed off and love rage quit, <laughs> or uh, or the the I'm a super hornet. I'll just aim a thousand guns at you while I sit here. Um, it's it's definitely like you say. It's in the middle. But it, it, it has a very specific tactical application of that role because it's in the middle. Because it can't take all the damage. And it probably won't be agile enough to avoid damage for an extended period, particularly when outnumbered. Um, so you have to be very specific with application. It's, it's a scalpel as opposed to a sledgehammer, hmm. uh, in my mind. It'll be an interesting ship to see how they work that one out. But... Uh... I, I do enjoy rogue classes in my online gaming sometimes. So it sounds like you kind of described a, a sneaky little backstab. Exactly. It, it it seems like a good alpha strike um, bounty hunting where bring them back alive isn't on your agenda. Um, so you can, you can come in and you can find the people and you can pick your moment, eliminate the threat, maybe wait until they're engaging something else like swoop in there um, with a decent speed position yourself with a reasonable ag- agility and then just unleash hell unleash hell blow them the hell up and then get the hell out of dodge if you need to that is that is going to be interesting how they balance out alpha strike because you can't have it where you know someone's just piloting through space and everything else and someone comes out of stealth and bang I win because I was stealthed Mm, but yeah. how can it, you know, hold its own also without it getting blown up because it's using the lighter alloys. So you got to make it, it, it's definitely going to be an interesting balance case. Yeah. I, I think the thing, the benefit though, is that star citizen doesn't have perfect stealth. Um, and so stealth is, you'll be hiding behind asteroids and stuff. So it's not like you, you'll just be sneaking up, um, completely invisible, and then pop, mm-hmm. boom, you're dead. There will always be that mini lead. Um, you won't be able to... You, you'll be less detectable, but as soon as you close into a range where maybe you've got like the higher power short range weapons on there that would allow you to do the alpha one kill, you won't be able to get close enough without being detected. So it's about picking a time and catching them off guard. Now, if you, as the target, are a, um, um, aware of your surroundings... Because either A, you're likely to be the target of such things, or B, you're in a, a system or area where the security is low enough that mm-hmm. this sort of stuff's going to happen. Um, then if you're not watching your ass and bump, pumping all the power into your scanners to make sure you're alone and staying away from the, that, that dodgy-looking asteroid with a nice <laughs> hidey hole on the back, if you're not doing the things you should do, then there's nothing to say that like someone shouldn't be able to pop up and, and wipe you out in Awana. I mean, Awana is obviously a... Um, it's it's a sliding rule, right, based on what ship you're in, because yep. you're not going to get wanted in a Starfarer, for example, but they may be able to take out, your, take out your engines in a couple of seconds or take out your weapon turrets 
or otherwise render you um, render you like helpless. If not but, paying attention. Yeah, we'll see. Well, see that that's going to be a big thing about the gameplay in this too. That uh, th that I've started to notice, and I, I just got a little bit distracted because I just noticed your shirt. This one, it's 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 a Mavicorn. A Mavicorn. It is from the Mav Show, who's one of my awesome Twitch friends, my Twitch family, <laughs> and uh, she has a unicorn. As her uh, her her thing, and her 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 viewers are Mavicorns, and this is her trolley Christmas shirt. It it looked uh, it, it's like a unicorn, but it's slightly disturbing. More so. it is. It's it's got a monocle on. That that's what it gives you that disturbing look. And a mustache. It's a unicorn with a monocle and a mustache. Yes, exactly. And buck teeth. And and a, a rainbow corn. <laughs> <laughs> Back on topic. Um, trying to remember what i was speaking about at this point we're because... talking about yeah so the thing is is i'm, I'm expecting strikes, lots of right. rage and tears when the saber comes out and people take it into arena commander on one side or the other there always is i'm expecting it to get ripped the hell up mm -hmm. i'm expecting it to have very limited success in arena commander for all the reasons i discussed earlier arena commander isn't an arena where you can hide and pounce you're in a, a, a limited room, essentially, with a whole pile of people with lots of guns, um, and you will get ripped the hell up. And people will see a saber, and they will, they will target you and just rip you up anyway. So I expect yep. the saber to get spanked, get ruffle-stomped into the pavement for, for the entirety of the first couple of weeks of it coming out, and people to rage their asses off on the forum because they can't see that this has a specific role that is like as we discussed isn't about these like brawls it's about the persistent universe it's about being in yella waiting by that wreck for someone to come and try and salvage it if you're a pirate or um hiding out the backside of korea to hump hop on people or whatever it's it's about picking your fights so i expect lots of tears yeah yeah, I, I do as well. It's like, and to speak of another ship that they were showing off recently, it'd be like bringing a Starfarer into Arena Commander and expecting it to, you know, do dogfighting combat just as well as other ships. It's oh, a, they will anyway. It's a Starfarer, though. It's not mm. going to. It's... They're like, but I swapped my fuel nozzle for a rocket launcher. That must make it a dogfighter, right? No. <laughs> I want a fuel nozzle that shoots fire. I want Ooh. a flamethrower. Space flamethrower. Because, I mean, it's fuel. It, it ignites, especially if it's a hydrogen or a plasma-based thing. You could even ignite it in space as long as all of the all of it is contained within the fuel that's necessary for it to burn. And it would just shoot off this, like, swirling cone of, oh, I want a space flamethrower now. <laughs> I love the grin that you gave at the thought of a space flamethrower. It, it, it's seriously awesome. Zero-G flames. That would... Okay. The, uh, CIG, do you hear that? We need space flamethrowers now. Please. Space flamethrowers, done. Even if they don't really do that much and just look cool, I want to be space fair, flamethrowers. They shouldn't do anything much against ships because most ships should be heat shielded for atmospherics. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't want it to do much against ships. And I just for radiation and stuff. Awesome. Yeah. 
So with that, that's why I brought up the Starfarers. They've recently shown some more pictures, specifically of the Starfarers sitting in a hangar. Oh, yeah, those are good. The um, the sub images and stuff. We we had a little uh, little nerdgasm over those earlier, and that that the the cargo area it looks even bigger than it looked on the images it showed before, and it looked massive then. It's immense. I was like, "Yep, yeah, that's Serenity. It's done. That there is our is. Firefly." All right, so basically what it was is they had the Vanguard, it gets into the hangar. Month, month and a half later, it it's out into the verse. The Cartuel, it's up, and now it's back on sale again with rumors swirling around it becoming not just hangar-ready but flyable almost probably around the same time. Saber has rumors swirling around it about that thing going flyable pretty quick, and the Starfarer is getting up and running while getting gray box shots of it in hangar, so it's close to in hangar, which now seems to mean close to fright, not fright ready, well, maybe, but flight ready, and you have the Reliant, which they've showed off in its gray boxing stages. I was about to say, yeah. So what impressions is this leaving with you compared to the time it seemed to take before. Now, seriously, it seems like they have switched into overdrive. They've, they've, I mean, they've said lots of stuff about, oh, well, we've finally got our processes in place and we're getting the like, ship pipeline in place and we're making plans, we're setting foundations. And they've said that for a while. Some people who are argumentative against Star Citizen saying this is all like the COD 12 is basically saying, oh, they're just making excuses for not giving us content. But since 2.0 dropped, we've seen that actually there's there's lots more they've done that we they haven't shown us like crazy amounts. But also, we've seen a continual what seems to be an acceleration, but it's it may not even be an acceleration. I, they've been working a constant speed, but we're finally seeing the fruition of a lot of hard work and all these foundational stuff they've been talking about, this process stuff they've been talking about. We're finally, we're seeing the result of that, which is an acceleration of all these things finally getting done and released, um, which is, to me, a symptom of a couple of things. So one, the foundations of 2.0 and the PU are done, so people are able to work on the other things. Mm-hmm. Um, two, maybe um, a bunch of work that was focused on Squadron 42 is done, which frees up artists to do ships and things. Um, and, and and also just just getting to the point where all the process is done, and now they're just getting used to that process, and we're seeing the result of that. We're seeing this acceleration of the productivity of the team. Um, which is awesome, and like they patch daily when they're coming towards like pushing something live. They patch every single day. That is committed work, insane committed work. We see bugs, but how quickly do they smash those bugs? It's nuts. It, it's something I actually talked about last week, and I've talked about several times before, which mm. is the fact that the amount of bugs that they're crushing for us in a game that's still early on in an alpha phase. It, that's the part that people seem to forget because we've had access to certain portions of it for so much time now, is that this is, in the case of development, early or midway through the alpha, at midway at best. And yet we're seeing development support on a level that seems to be equ- 
equivalent of that of a game of a large MMO in a late beta. Yeah. And I know you've done development work. Would you, because I didn't get a chance to ask you after I made that statement, would you agree with that statement? Because I'm, I'm curious if someone else does actually agree with how much we're seeing it or if I'm misinterpreting how much support we're seeing because it's, it still stuns me a little bit seeing it at this level. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're part a lot. This is a very atypical development project, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, normally they wouldn't have to worry about support. They wouldn't have to worry about rapid bug fixing. Um, essentially, they could ha- they could sit on a lot of these bugs we're seeing right now to focus on other primary delivery points and then just go through bug fixing as they go and then later on uh, just do a massive bug fixing thing at the end. Um, so what we're seeing is very atypical. But honestly, I think it is a, a super healthy and beneficial thing for the project because if you imagine like... Um, like when I did my cooking stream, for example, mm-hmm. um, I talked about cleaning as you go. If you just cook and you throw crap everywhere and then you 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 just use things and stick it over in the corner and you chop things up and chuck stuff over there and you 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 just leave things as you go, you eat your dinner, you get the get to the end and you have this bomb site of a kitchen with crap everywhere and you gotta clean, you gotta like muddle through all the crap and you don't know where to start. That's kind of akin to um, projects that don't do that continual testing and continual integration stuff and continual bug fixing. And with game development, it's always about doing the cool new thing. It's very, very often not the case. And speaking to lots of game, lots of friends in the industry, they would agree that it's often not the case of making things perfect. It's just making things that are cool and doing the next cool thing and pushing. And then at the end, they have the massive bug cr- bug crunch. To get all the bugs fixed so they can push it out for a beta or a whatnot. But what we're having with Star Citizen is more akin to my approach to the cooking, which I only do when I'm streaming, not when I'm actually cooking because I'm lazy. But um, <laughs> it's that they are forced to clean as they go. They give us a new feature. They crunch on that feature. They fix bugs. They get it more polished than we would ever see that in an alpha state game so that they sate us as the... Um, the community who are playing the game and they get stuff fixed and they polish off the foundations and then they add another feature and we smash it and then because they're accounting to us, accountable to us um, largely, they they fix bugs to get it right and then they move on to the next thing and they fix bugs to get it right and then what we have at the end is that they've done lots of the grunt work along the way um, and we get to the point where the game is in our hands in beta, and yeah, we're still fixing bugs, but these are just like superficial bugs. The foundations of the game are going to be so solid by the time we get there. Uh, how how could how could it possibly go wrong? It it it's just. Oh, you have I think to say it's it. forced them to go down a good road. <laughs> that, for a, a, for a game dev analogy. project, that is definitely a much better analogy and put far better than I did on it. So <laughs> that's why I posed it to you because I, I was pretty sure that i could get in a a response back that would explain it in a in a light that other people could understand and that analogy of cleaning as you go while cooking is is just you know head on the uh you hit it right on that the the hammer on the nail and so on (laughs) and so forth but 
aside from, you know, we're seeing ships coming in, we're seeing the pipeline coming online, we're also seeing some more behind-the-scenes stuff because we had another video come out this week. And that was Jillian Anderson for Squadron 42. Oh, yeah. So, with them basically making two separate games almost at this point from the mm -hmm. way that it looks at everything, what did that video do for you? in terms of hype for the game or uh, perceptions on Squadron 42? Did it solidify stuff you'd already thought? Did it change some thoughts on things? What, what did that evoke? So mostly first view was solidification of the fact that like this was a professional team of awesome actors that we all know and love working under a developer that they honestly believe in. Um, this wasn't the usual paid-for promotional interview where they say what they uh, are told to say about the film they worked on then a couple of years down the line they have the interview where they say well actually it was a load of crap and I hated the director and it's all <laughs> terrible I had to say that stuff because it's a promotional interview but blah this was more of a just you get a sense from every actor interview that they had a, a distinct pleasure working on the project not because it's going to be a Hollywood box office hit but because I mean, I mean, a Hollywood blockbuster hit is all about like getting cinema door numbers. A game doesn't work that way. So it wasn't about that. It was just them honestly believing in Chris Roberts and in the project they were doing, and and that should come through in their roles. But alongside that, that was the first first view um, impact on me was was just a reiteration of that. The same as we see in the Mark Hamill, the same we saw in the the um, the Gary Oldman. Same thing, but then when you watch through the little things that they have in there, so they have some sneaky in the background views of the the Vandal and mm -hmm. the bridge of a ship with a Vandal on it and stuff, um, and the bits of action where they're dogfighting and that they let you know that, that she, the character she is and that she's ad admir admirable, admir she's Bishop's daughter. Um, <laughs> So that's cool. And then the little the little funny bit in the middle, which, which cracked me up, probably more than it should, when she looked and she, the first time she saw a Vandal and how big they are, because they're like, what, seven, eight foot, nine foot maybe? Yeah, they're in that range. They're big. Um, so the first time she goes, oh, shit. <laughs> and then she had this pistol and she goes, will this work on that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that is genius. That is awesome. Because <laughs> like, yeah, it'd be fine. I love the thought process she had, though. She was actually in the mindset of being that person, like, will this even work? Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's great. Um, I think those videos, everyone should watch them a couple of times just to get those little, little tidbits. Because I think one thing that under, like, I don't know if it's something that's been driven by Sandy and their marketing team or if it's just something that naturally happens, but every single video release they put out, they managed to sneak in a little bit of hype in the background. Mm -hmm. um, be it a, an artist working and just spinning around the model of the cartoon in the back of an interview video on ATV or um, the, the hints of the Vandal in, uh, in the Gillian Anderson video and stuff like that. They do very well to slip in those little bits of tidbit for us to plumb into and find. I did and notice it on cool. the monitor, her her going around the barricade <laughs> on the bridge and yeah. seeing the Vanduul standing there, and I'm going, oh, apparently there's a boarding party. Mm. 
It's like, that's, that's going to be interesting. And yeah. then I saw how tall it was compared to the human characters. And I went, ha, oh. But it's but, awesome that they add in, like, defending the ship from Vandal invaders. So we're having an FPS dogfight on your ship. And then maybe jumping into your ship and flying off and chasing them down afterwards. That mm -hmm. That's what makes the holistic experience that's going to be Star Citizen Squadron 42. Who else Who else would we like to see in Squadron 42? Mm. Mm. I, I wonder who possibly a female actor would the entire world love to see in a space-based game with alien races. Who possibly could that be? <laughs> There's any number of people. Hmm. Ripley? <laughs> no, seriously, like, she is so iconic. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the, on, so Gillian Anderson, yeah, it's great to have her in there. And, and the role she's playing is obviously a ship's captain, like her Admiral Bishop dad. But... To have her, um, the, the Queen Ripley, um, in a game, like, she epitomizes to me strong, like, strong women with leadership qualities who take no shit. I mean, that may not be the character of, um, oh, what was, I forget her name, something Bishop, but I, that may not be the qualities of her, but I would love to see Sigourney Weaver in there. I think that one is probably one of the best ones that could be thought of, especially mm. because they're going, they've already got the writing started and or completed. I can't remember which it is on the next of the series. And there's supposed to be at least two more portions yeah. of squadron 42. And if the episodes maybe take a darker turn, like any trilogy might, she could play quite a role in especially a darker space movie as someone having to, you know, take control of, of a, a more roughshod situation that is, has made for a worse area uh, for humanity. Yeah. I mean, to, like, some of the suggestions, Katie Sackhoff definitely would be awesome, but take her or Natalie Portman or Emma Watson. And honestly, there'd be various points in Squadron 42 where streaming the game would get kind of awkward. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're already playing Witcher, and we know what that game's like, so. Yeah, yeah, this is very true. I had to make a swift exit, the stage left from the uh, from the brothel. What? You didn't want to go spend some time on a unicorn? Uh, oh, oh, I did, and with all of the uh, various inhabitants of the brothel, it seems like there was a quest to uh, <laughs> to make the sexy time with them, as many people as possible. But I thought the amount of of ugly bumping that was happening was enough for a Twitch stream already. Well, we'll see if there's some of that in Squadron 42 as well. As long as it fits the story, they said they're not worried about the M rating. If true. it gets an M it's because it's story, well, then it gets an M. Well, that's the, that's the point with The Witcher as well. Like, I, I could have, like, all the sex you have with all the people is fine. If you spend an hour in the brothel just going around paying random girls for more sex, that is completely unrelated to the story, then that's a little bit gratuitous in my mind. But yes, romance options in Squadron 42 would be awesome. I'm, I don't, I doubt they go M rating romance, but <laughs> maybe PG 13 M. 
Yeah, a Wing. bit of smoochy, a I, bit I, of... Uh... I'm thinking Wing Commander movie level. Hmm. I mean, it, that was Chris Roberts' movie. And True. there was there there was some hot and heavy scenes in there for or a scene specifically, but they kept it tasteful and covered up for the most part. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking that we might get some of those scenes in as well, just because you know if it serves the story, it does, and those scenes do tend to draw you closer to the characters from what I've known, because then the emotions are a little bit more real. You've grown attached to them, and that means yeah. when they get shot in the face, you actually feel bad. It's true. Unless it's true. you're the one that shoots them in the face. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm honestly curious. Do you think they'll allow you in Squadron 42 to specifically kill off certain NPCs or put them in situations where they can die? So I think so. I, I think so. Because, I mean, they've, they've, the reason why I think so is because of many things I've said. Things like um, loss actually impacting you emotionally, which which implies that loss will be a thing. Mm -hmm. um, they've talked many times about the um, the killing of NPCs in the verse and that being a permanent thing. So those two things are in there. Also, they've talked about the dynamic nature of the story. So as long as it doesn't affect the ending of the story, losing characters on the way shouldn't be a thing. shouldn't be a big thing at all. Uh, and they likely won't set it up so that you can just go on a, a one-man rampage across the... Um, the Idris, uh, whatever, I forget the designation of that Idris, but you can't go on the rampage just go kill everyone with an assault rifle. That probably will be disallowed um, in some way. But uh, if you inadvertently take out your partner on a mission, I can't see that being a, a big issue as long as it doesn't affect the overall start and end point of the story. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, they, they may have to do more things to keep you on track, though, because otherwise it gets very nebulous story-wise. Like, every eventuality when you can actually randomly kill off people does get more complex. So, I'm, I, basically, I'm getting to... I wouldn't rule it out, and I would expect to lose several people just by virtue of the story to give you that impact of loss. But um, with the game developer in my brain is saying... Well, they don't want to let it off too much because it'll be a nightmare to make a co cohesive story. Because <laughs> then you'll get to the point where you could actually kill a person who's critical later in the story. So um, that's that was, what I was really thinking. on the fence answer. But <laughs> that, that's where my thought process was on it as well. Because I, I honestly like to push the boundaries of games, as you've seen me do mm. many a time. So I was wondering if I could be like, oh, I'll go over to the weapons locker on the ship. Now I'll go on a rampage <laughs> throughout the ship and kill off every important character I can. Because why not if the game lets me do that? Like if I take out the guards and no one else has weapons and I start shooting up the Idris... Do all those people stay dead in Squadron 42? Am I alone on the address yeah. now? Is it game over? Am I screwed? So th those are all questions that run through my brain as the person mm. that likes to, to push the very boundaries of something. And when they talk about, you know, how the choices matter and stuff, I, I wondered what your thoughts were on that very, yeah. very similar sort of idea. And I, I could see it was on the fence similar yeah process. i mean i honestly i expect it to be more limited um losing people on missions isn't the same as losing people as being able to run and shoot people so that's a possibility i expect it to be more limited but on the flip side 
part of me kind of thinks it would be awesome and also um, very controversial if they set the game up such that it would allow you to go on the murderous rampage, but then you get tried, kicked out of the military, and you can no longer play Squadron 42. And also mm -hmm. your character goes into the verse as a criminal and you get ran out of the verse straight away. <laughs> so you're off in some outlaw system immediately because yeah. you're, you're so you six, 60 bucks for your squadron 42 and you just screwed it because you went on a murderous rampage no buyback no restart no save game you're just screwed <laughs> start new character start new character yep no, no new character got by the game again oh god you're that, done that would definitely be controversial if they went hardcore that, that would be ultra hardcore though i would kind of find it amusing I would do it live. <laughs> I would get two copies just to make sure. Do it sure live. Two right. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> oh, all I can say is that with everything they've shown us so far, the excitement and hype for me personally is just building day in and day out. Dude, I just, I just can't wait to see what they're going to put in 2.2. The thing is, though, it's got to the point with all of this, with being surprised and dropped on us, it slightly concerns me because there is now an expectation of 2.2, which is through the roof. Um, so, and I think they know that, that 2.2 has to come with some super awesome, solid, like, content. Mm -hmm. We have foundations. It needs content. Um, so that, that means they have to have in more foundations, so the persistence, yep. um, the customization, the shopping, um, things to do with UEE inside the verse. That's content. That needs to be in there. Um, possibly hauling. They need non-combat content yep. in there. So hauling, cargo, that system in there. That's the base minimum for 2.2, in my mind, for them to be able to reach that bar. Um, which, but... When I say that as the systems, I mean also things in the Crusader map to support that. Um, so maybe another planet in the Stanton system so you can ship goods back and forth. I don't know. Something. But I mean that whole holistic system needs to be in there for them to hit that bar. And then 2.3, in my mind, to keep that curve going needs to be planetary landings. I wouldn't... In its rudimentary form. Okay, rudimentary planetary. Oh, yeah, not, not like fully fleshed out. I'm talking about they need to give us that rock from the prototype that we can fly down to with a landing zone on there we can drop onto and we can just go off and explore around this rocky but atmospheric planet with a gray cat. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily think that would be 2.3. Honestly, I think that might end up being 3.0-ish, but planetary landings where we can land at, say, Nix and... Area 18 and Port Olisar all in one. Mm. I, I could see that being in there for something like 2.3. Yeah. But I, I, I think we need to have an expanded PU, though, reasonably soon. Reasonably soon. We need to have... Uh, we need to have... Um, Hurston? Is that one of the plans? I believe um, so, yes. Um, and we need to have Art Corp Planet. And we need to have um, the other one. D? Is it D? I'm really uh, bad at names. Yeah, so am I. That this, we match but, up really well when remembering the names of the planet. I think, but they need um, at least one more planet because Microtech. There we go. So we need to have at least one more planet with astral crap around it. Doesn't even have to have missions or stuff. Just need something that we can do a long range quantum jump to. 
Um, ideally with just a station, it can be a duplicate of Kovalex with less being broken. Um, so we can go and pick up some stuff and ship it back. Um, ideally, we need to get just to the the planets of um, the, the the planets of Stanton, so we have a full system to fly around in. Even if it's not fleshed out, we need to get a feel for how long are those quantum jumps going to take. Because we all we see right now is jumping jumping from a planet to its moon, mm-hmm. which in astral terms is is a, a oh that's a, a bitty space, yeah, yeah. So we need to see that stuff, and and like I say, all that stuff has to feed into. Um, the hauling and cargo, because having a cargo system where it's you just flying off to Kovalex, pick up a box, fly it back to Olisar. Right now, it's fun because it's not planned, but if that's the whole mission, that's going to get dull pretty quick. Yep, but, that's um, quite true. Um, but that that does actually bring up the other question, though, um, from the ATV, mm-hmm. the work that they're doing on interdiction. I did notice that, and it did make me scratch my head. Because I think those two go hand in hand. Because having hauling and cargo as a mission type only makes sense in a compelling gameplay if there's something to make that more interesting. Mm-hmm. And interdiction is how that's made more interesting, that that risk element. So and that definitely would, especially if they have a small system in there where if you party up with someone you both split a job. It's a, it's an easy job. Basically, cargo gets auto-loaded into your ship. You go from station yeah. A to station B, and anyone in your party auto-split on any of that. So someone could be a wingman. So if you do get interdicted, you have a fighter with you. And players can interdict, take the cargo, and deliver it themselves for the money. Yeah. Or you get it there, and you get the money. And... You know, that you have to take the risk doing it yourself worth a little bit of extra. Yeah. Or go with someone, split it, but you're safer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think just that one additional mission, just people going back and forth between two planets, that, that would be all you need. Yeah. But I think there's one other thing that they have talked about a while back. I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. that would add depth to the game that we have right now. Um, I think this has to be tied to, like you say, being able to land at ArcCorp and travel between the two, and the party system particularly. But um, they talked about having it set up so that you will go down to ArcCorp, you will go to the job well, you'll pick up a mission, and then you'll go into the PU and do that mission with your friends. It was not that long ago they talked about that as their ultimate goal for the Persistent Universe. Rather than just Mobile Glass, we have a mission done actually going down to, to one of the landing zones, picking up the mission with your friends, then going off to space and doing it. And that is something they can add in. Um, but that I think that one is predicated on the, the group system. And but that just, But that will... You know, yeah, obviously the persistence. The persistence underlies everything else at this yeah. point. That is the, the number one next block that has to be in for anything else to make any sense. But um, I think that will just... That will tie... Them together because our cops cool shopping be cool missions that link between the two make it a universe yep i i completely agree and one final note before we end and get ready for the post show and everything else are you a part of the benny of uh, the the noodle club now 
have oh, you no. made it? So close. We got we got so close last night. I was about to flip it up into the um, airlock at Olisar, and the server went down for the patch last night. Oh, like it was it was pain. And uh, then we tried tonight, and tonight was just troll city on the PTU. We we had like the entire crew of the Narwhal pretty much defending my freelancer, and we had non-targetable um, uh, vanguards coming in and just blowing up the freelancer every time. Oh, because their non vanguards apparently yeah. became non-targetable somehow. Nice bug. Yeah. Oh, so close. Well, I know you'll get there. I oh, we will. Have we tried, will. And uh, that was before the machine was actually flippable onto the steps. It was heavier. Its mass mm. was heavier on those vending machines, so it wouldn't actually, no matter how I crawled, it wouldn't ever turn. Ugh. It, it pushed about three times as slow as well, and by the time I could get it even close, the server would crash. So I think both of us are due to join the Noodle Club. Yeah, yeah. I do need someone to help me out with the lance of those things I gave mine away, but uh we will we will do it. We tried we took chose in the Connie, but the Connie doesn't have so there's some issues with the Connie's local grid and things inside, which seems so inside the freelancer, they have done something which sets it apart from the lights of the Connie. You chuck something in the back of the Connie and fly off, it just falls out. Even though it's on the physics, it falls on the floor. If you put it into the cargo bay of the Connie, shut it up, and then fly off, it will just disappear. Which is why when I put the M50 in the Connie, it just blows up. You can't fly away with it. Away with it. But in the Freelancer, you put something inside the Freelancer, it's fine. So we the Benny in there is fine. Um, we stuck a Merlin in there. We took it to um, Korea. So we had a Merlin fly around. The, well, we were going to have a Merlin fly around the Korea, but I derped when I tried to take it out of the Freelancer. But <laughs> um, you can put a Merlin there and fly around it fine. You can do anything you like in the Freelancer, and it flies around fine. But there's some issue with the Connie where you put something in. Um, it gets the physics to drop onto the floor, but it's not quite in there right. So I think some issues with the Cutlass Freelancer. works, though, if you have one of those. Cutlass works, cool. Cool. And, and the... Um, the, the Avenger, I believe, also works, but that's really hard to get a Benny in the back of an Avenger. Cutlass as well. It, the the opening of the airlock it's is really narrow, yeah. The same as the Benny size, so you have to use your gun to shoot it in. But yeah. you can do that. So, uh, Captain Flint, though, where can we find you? You can find me at twitch.tv forward slash Captain C A P oh, excuse me, C A P N underscore Flint. Also on twi Twitter as CAPN underscore Flint and um, on YouTube as Captain Flint TV. All one word. Awesome, sir. And as always, you can find me at twitch.tv slash grockies, G-R-A-K-E-E-S. Same spelling also around the internet. If you do a Google search for that name, you'll find all my pages and everything else. So I believe that'll be it for us for the evening, audio listeners. And we will see each and every one of you or you'll hear us around the verse. Bye, guys. Say bye to the audio listeners. Farewell! <laughs>